0: Hello and welcome back to Speak. This is a special episode uh, for Suicide Awareness Month. So we are joined this evening by the wonderful Damien McMullen. Welcome, Damien. Thanks for having me. we are going to dive into the taboo that is suicide. And... Uh, Crystal and Damien have so generously offered to let me absolutely quiz them on their experience of the topic of suicide. So I'm nervous, a little bit nervy. Um, I've got a li- I've got some questions, I've got some thoughts. Um, but I suppose look as ever, this is a learning space. It's a safe space. If I overstep, pull me the fuck up on it and we'll uh we'll see how we go so yeah and look I suppose hopefully at the end of this we'll have maybe clarified some things for people um demystified untabooed some stuff yeah um if we can manage to have a bit of fucking crack along the way I'll be thrilled with ourselves I think that'd be good <laughs> um I think that would be like a feat so Let's, I think
1: let's... the most important thing for us is the fact that we trust each other. Like, mm-hmm. and this is the number one thing here is the reason it's okay learning space, and we want those questions is because we trust each other. So, yeah, hopefully we can raise a smile throughout talking about this uh this deep topic, but go for it.
0: Um. Okay. Well, look. I suppose it would be good to. Get an, an idea from from each of you of why you wanted to
1: talk about this. What is your background with suicide? Who wants to go first? Damo, do you want to go as a as a guest on speak? You want to You want to go first?
2: Yeah, I can do. Um, I suppose for me, um, I suppose I, I first noted I noticed that I suppose an issue with my mental health in probably about 2015 um was when i kind of first came to to the realization that oh hang on something's maybe not quite right here um so went and spoke to the gp um got a couple of weeks off work kind of there was a few things that were stressing out i was working um in a continental shifts kind of chopping and change between days and nights so um ended up on medication and it kind of helped at the time and and kind of plugged along with things and it was uh, it was kind of up and down um late 2016 then we moved to new zealand so kind of life flipped on its head and new challenges ahead of us and um yeah we, we kind of trundled on through but i had a few things i suppose going on in again I suppose in work and, and life in general for me in I was actually on the, the 23rd of May 2018 because I remember the date because it was the, the night before my thirty-first birthday. And things hadn't been going too well and I just spiraled and spiraled and spiraled and kind of kept kept spiraling. Um I found myself really um volatile, really argumentative with my wife, kind of stormed out of the house and Took myself off for a drive and found myself sat early winter time in New Zealand, pitch black dark, back country roads, kind of no one around, and was, and uh, I was in in a pretty dark place, quite quite literally, um, as well. And it was just there and then for me was I came very close to to taking my own life, um, made the decision obviously not to um there and then but it's a just it's a strange place to be it's a strange um it's a strange mindset to be in yeah. is you kind of know that things are out of control um and you're not quite sure what to do with it mm. so it's, it's a it, it's a very very tricky place to be that that was my kind of experience with it
1: amazing thank you so much for sharing it uh damo it's um I think not only important, but really important to hear from the male perspective as well. Sometimes it's much easier for women to talk about their feelings and what goes on. So wicked that you're here and sharing it. Um, From, from my side, um, I had experienced kind of all through teens, actually, up into 20s, like periods of low mood that was fairly, um, I knew that but nothing ever to the point of um, wanting to hurt myself in any way. And then I, and, you know, bearing in mind I had like a marriage breakdown before, like big events had happened and I'd never, never got to a really, really dark space. And then I had my daughter um, and bearing in mind, when I say it was everything that I could have asked for, my first marriage ended because my husband wouldn't have children. I was like, it's the deal breaker. My, I'm supposed to be a mum And my daughter arrived, had a really horrendous um, birth experience over four days. And I definitely was kind of numb coming out of that. Um, Took to motherhood absolutely fine, but was kind of fairly sterile, like I would say, in my feelings. Um, And then I kind of hit this horrible road of about a year that I went back to work I was pressurized to give up breastfeed, like my husband had given up work to be a full-time dad, we had no other income other than mine, and I'd um, applied for, to be able to breastfeed at work and work locally so I could get home to Emily, and I basically got taken to a bit of a side room to be told, that's really concerning for your job if you are so flexible working. So over one Christmas, over about three weeks I had to go Emily from express from completely breastfed to bottle and anyone's ever done that it's awful. And then I went back to work a couple of months later, I had a major accident, burnt on my legs. A couple of months later I was put at risk of redundancy um, and then went into a, another role where the boss was a really like psychopathic bully. Um, and so this tunnel of events that had taken about a year, was just like one knock after another and I just got to a point where my anxiety was so high that I couldn't move. Um, and I still remember a point where my best friend um, had a key to my house. It was lucky that she did because she came around once and I couldn't answer the door. She could see me on the sofa. She let herself in. And all I could say was, please don't touch me. Like even the sensation of you being near me is too much. Um, and a few days later, I had made the decision and my mum my was like, I know what this looks like. And I she was tracking me and constantly being like, are you OK? And then one day I had made the decision to do it. So i have gone through all the ideation. i I'd have gone from thinking about having accidents to making a plan to making a plan. And then one day Scott said to me, what you actually need to do is get out of the house. And I couldn't think of it like it was painful to exist. And I he gave me Emily and sent me to this club with Emily. And I remember sat in this room and you guys know me. I am. I talk to everybody. I touch everyone. I hug everyone. I, I drink beer with everyone. And I was in this room and I sat and I felt like everyone had nettles. And I was just crying silently. And in that moment, I decided today's the day. It's going to be over. And I can't tell you the elation. The happiness of like this doesn't have to feel this way anymore. And I picked up my baby and I drove home, and I I knew exactly where I was going and exactly what I was doing, full plan made. And I felt brilliant. And I I can genuinely say I've never felt happier. And my best friend called me, and said, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Ah, uh, I'm going to go and get my camera and I'm just going to go for a walk." And I I. <laughs> Honest to God, this is what she said. Listen, you're a lazy bitch. You don't walk anywhere, right? I know exactly what you're fucking doing. She said, you get your ass home, you get into bed, and you dare move before I get to you, and I'll kick your ass. And I was like, uh, and it's still in my mind, was still like, no, no, I'm going to. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, it's all fine. And she was like, listen, I'm coming. I'm leaving work right now, and I'm coming, right? And I drove home. And I put Emily in her bed and she was nine months old, something like that, 10 months old. Put Emily in her bed and lo and behold, she just like rocked up, let herself in. She was like, fuck, you get in that bed? And I'm don't you, no one's moving ever again. This is it. I am here until, you know, until we've spoken out. And we had the big conversation and um, she saved my life. And she saved my life by knowing that I was doing something out of the ordinary. I suddenly felt fine. And we'd literally been through like her delivering pajamas to my house because I wasn't washing. I couldn't think I couldn't articulate myself. I could be touched. And she was like, you're a you're a lazy bitch. So I still remember the words to the save my life, and I absolutely hate walking. I'm not gonna lie, it's not wrong. He's not fucking walking she's, anywhere. She's like she. Listen, the only thing that you could really be talking about, right, is is literally the worst thing in the world. So get home. So that was that's my experiences. Like to the point of like, yes, it's happening today, and I feel great about it. Um, but yeah, so that's my that's my experience um of on this topic and why it I think it's really important to talk about it because we hear lots and lots of stories and lots of adverts of people that have been like the survivor of somebody that's been lost. Mm. But to actually have two people being able to talk about the experience and maybe how it feels after I have to say five minutes after the decision was unmade by Carla kicking my ass. I've never shout out to Carla. Shout out Be to Carlos, I love you, right? Um, I've never been more happy that I didn't do it. And every single day that I have been here since, I've been like, thank God. Thank God that moment was just shaken from me because I'm so glad it was. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of like, that's me.
0: I find I, I, actually, I, oh, sorry, you got Eamon, one.
2: No, I, I was just going to say just what you've said there about it being undone. Like I I suppose when I made the decision not to I'm at home then and spoke to my wife about, you know, where I was and the place I was, her reaction to that straight away I was like that 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 reaction's really bad, but it could have been so much worse. Yeah. And that for me was just it was such a I don't know, it was such an eye opening moment as to okay, maybe there's a bit of meaning here that I can't quite see because my judgment's maybe been clouded around it. Yeah. So yeah, just that reaction, and as you said, ever since you know, looking back over the last couple of years and everything that's happened, um, just yeah, where we are now at the minute, it's it's much much better place. And there's hindsight's always a wonderful thing, but but yeah, it, it's really yeah. really eye opening.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, an interesting. Po- I can imagine seeing her reaction. you like, oh fuck, like and you must have scared the fucking shit out of her as well but um i think crystal it's an interesting point what you said there even about um hearing year experience because all is that a blank it's a blanket statement all of the ads all of the promotion all of it is, is like it's it is about people who have already been lost and it is about the people left behind and it is about are you okay? And all this stuff, which is grand, but we don't actually hear from survivors that much. To yeah. be honest, like mm-hmm. you don't like, and that's probably because again, there's such a, there's such a stigma. People can yeah. hardly yeah. say the word suicide. Yeah. So um, also props to you for actually doing this, like Fairfax. Um. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's, that's like, seriously, it's class. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I, it's, it,
2: it's one of those things we kind of, we talk about it, but we don't talk about it. Yeah, mm. yeah. you know what I mean. We, we talk about everything around it. You said, <laughs> yes. "Are you okay?" And mental health awareness, and you know, we're doing mental health first theatres, but we don't actually talk about it. Yeah, like the, the nitty gritty stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, we I,
1: say so much, nothing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm, the,
1: the, the overarching statements of you're like you're right, and and I think yeah. um, you said something before this call, Elisa, about using the word like if you are noticing the unusual behavior, the, you know, the mood switches, the dependency on alcohol, more all of that stuff that for me, there is definitely something to clock on um, around things like hygiene. It's really difficult when you feel covered in a feeling to cover yourself in water. It's really overwhelming. So that's a really Mm -hmm. major, one. if you're noticing it using words are you contemplating you you said something you were saying something earlier about language? Are you gonna do something silly? Like talk like what was your what was your point around that?
0: So there is like the power of language is phenomenal. And mm. certainly um when we talk about suicide, we talk about suicide without talking about suicide, like we just said. Yeah. But yeah. and I think especially Definitely in Ireland, I'm not sure if it's the same over there, but when somebody does die by suicide, one of the language things is they'll say, oh, they committed suicide. And okay. it's because to commit is a sin. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, that's harsh. Yeah. Then um, it's not only or else it'd be like, oh, did you hear such and such pass away? And then you'll you'll ask, oh, Jesus, what happened? And there's this pause and, you know. Yeah. And then, you know, but they don't have to say it. So nobody has to say the word suicide because it is so shameful for everyone left behind that. And it's so it's it's unthinkable. So you can't say the word. So people literally are not used to having this word in their mouth. But there's this thing of if you are concerned about someone, if you're seeing the signs. Ask the question. Yeah. Are you thinking about dying by suicide? Are you thinking about suicide? Are you whatever way you want to say it, but use the word because it can almost have shock factor of like but it's it gives somebody the opportunity to talk if you say like it, it's it's almost a softer version to say like oh are you thinking about hurting yourself like what does that mean yeah
1: or, that I'm mean? already in a lot of pain and I haven't done yeah, it. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> and it's like because you're not being direct so then it's like yeah you're not thinking of doing something stupid I hope you're not thinking about doing something stupid so now you're literally going oh well if I'm thinking about suicide I must be really fucking tech then like no yeah. like it's this impact of words is so so important so be direct worst case scenario you're wrong yeah and and brilliant if you are what a great result
1: yeah i
2: I think it's just the the straight away i remember the the same thing coming up on the when i did the the mental health first aider course Mm -hmm. and it's almost the as you said it's the shock factor but if somebody is like, if somebody is thinking about suicide and you come straight out to them and say, are you thinking about suicide? Automatically, you're on the same wavelength as they are. You, you've just broken down so much of a barrier yeah. for them to go. Then even just to say, yeah. And straight away, they know that they can have a conversation with you because you've just fucking hit them straight up with it. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it's such a powerful way to do it. And it's so, I think it is because it is so direct. If somebody is in that frame of mind, they've already gone through all the the questions and the you know the the thought processes and it's such a web that they've gone through. So I think for you just to come straight out with that is it's there's so much to it.
1: Yeah, I think I I still remember my mum telling me how good, because I I shared with my family a long time after, but I shared with my family and just before the week. Mm, and of the week before, I think I'd made up my mind, and I hadn't realised because my mom was like, "I'm, not, I, I'm, I'm going to Turkey, and you have to come with me." And she was like, "Didn't want me out of her sight." And I remember because there wasn't direct language used. I think she was scared of what my response would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember sitting on my doorstep, being like, "You should just, you should just come to Turkey. It, it'll be lovely." And what she meant is so I could watch you. Um, And actually, was struggling to like walk to the car, let alone get on a plane and bugger off to Turkey. And I remember switching on such like smiles because the mm-hmm. air gap from not using the language of crystal. I'm really worried you're going to take your own life, and I don't want to take my eyes off you. And we need to talk about that. I think that's scary for the person saying it, like terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just put her at ease. I was like, Oh no, I do you know, actually. I feel so much better. And and when you want to, that's the ch- that's a dangerous part, right? Because when you want to, you're going to take away any of the barriers, any of the watching eyes, because it's where you need to be. You need it to be done. Um, and I still remember just that air gap. She was terrified of the conversation. I really didn't want her to ask because I can't lie. I don't know if anyone's ever figured that out, but ask me if your outfit looks shit. And I will say, yeah, um, it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's just something. I mean, I wouldn't wear it. A... <laughs> I mean, it looks very you. Um So um, I think that direct language thing. And I think I remember um, being in a room with somebody that worked for me and seeing a massive change in his demeanor and I kind of let it go for the meeting and I thought this isn't right like usually you're like in the middle of it asking the questions and he was just distracted and emailing while waiting it's not him and I just noticed this decline in his mood and I I at the end of the meeting I said like thanks everyone thanks for coming blah blah do you want to walk me to my car and he was like oh what have are done and we walked out and I stood in the car park with him and I said um what's going on And he was like I don't know what you mean and I spelled out all the things that I had seen and I said, what is on your mind at the moment? And he was like, uh, and I said, look, I can see you're struggling. I need to know how bad that struggle is. And I wasn't even having experience was not punchy enough to say to somebody that worked for me that I got on bloody well with was not punchy enough to say it. Luckily I actually just really like drilled into the thoughts. And I was like, right. Mm. It, I said, are you having reoccurring thoughts? and I'm referencing ideation here, and I wish I'd said it. And he was like, yes. And I was like, what is the thought? And he just looked at me terrified, and I said, have you made your plan? And he was like, not yet. I was like, right. And then we sat, right. I was like, right, we've nailed it. And as much as we were talking the differences, have you made the plan? Then he talked to me about what those thoughts were. He talked to me about what he was imagining, and you know what he said after we'd had the conversation and we started to genuinely talk about suicide? Um, I said to him, have you spoken to your wife? And he said, no, I, it feels too big and almost silly, right? And I said, she's going to care so much about this. Um, and he went home and he told her, and the support wasn't me. The support was her. And it, it all he needed to do was go home and be like, I've had really dark thoughts and this is what this is what's happening every morning when I go on a dog walk this is what I'm thinking about and they become solid and he that was all the help that he needed is reconnection um with his loved one so I think that that language thing I can't stress it enough like just if you're not if you have a gut feeling it's usually right right I think I looked up here um a statistic that I thought was shocking and they they, they were It was U.S. stats, but it was the figure that I thought was interesting, that people with thoughts or ideation of suicide, 12.2 million. Mm -hmm. 3.2 million have planned suicide, and 1.2 million execute the plan. 90% 90 of people survive, Mm -hmm. uh, and yay, right? But so two-thirds more think about it and are in the thought stage, then it drops by a third at the planning stage. Like if you can catch people there, Mm. we'll be tackling that end number.
0: And so like, it's a, it's a spectrum, right? So you've got from like passive, what they call passive suicidal ideation, right? So it's, it's like, you're thinking about not wanting to live or imagining being dead or it's fleeting thoughts. Yeah. Right through like what you described to detailed planning, where that is active suicidal ideation, Thinking about different ways to die or form a, forming a plan to die. Yeah. So, and it, it's, and they're huge numbers, but yeah. actually, like, and there's a lot of people who live with suicidal ideation all through their life yeah. and they live long lives. They live yeah. with That's it. True. Yeah. It,
2: it's, it's so I suppose, something I've experienced a few, I suppose, a few times since, even, it's again been very fleeting. You know, it's, it's been a, maybe a day of low mood and things maybe aren't going too well here or there. And and you just, you can be, I can be in that space. So I haven't had it now in a way, but I've been in that space, maybe on a certain evening where it's just been constantly darting around my head. The idea is there, the idea is there. But thankfully since it, it kind of dissipates, you know, if I manage to go and get some sleep, um, or you know, if, if we get out and get something else done, it, it's something there that, that does go. Um, I suppose it's being conscious of it. It's accepting sometimes that it's there.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I suppose the, the realization that it is only going to be momentary. You know, it, it's something there that. Um, I suppose the the, the time I, the instance that I they, I introduced. With, I think that had kind of been floating around there for a while and had been building and building. I mm. think this day, I just I had it was almost like I, I I kind of cracked. I was like, right, I'm doing it. But it was very, um, I don't know, it, it was quite a, an irrational kind of decision there and then. If you know what I mean, I, I was in a really kind of erratic state.
1: Yeah.
2: Where it wasn't that? It wasn't as you had said, Crystal. The the planned out, right? I've decided now. I'm kind of elated. My I was slightly different. Yeah. So it can kind of come and I, I suppose the the awareness that it can come in different forms. It can be long planned out. It can be something very instantaneous because somebody's just hit a very low mood on yeah. a very specific day. And and you know that that's just where, where it can lead. So it's I suppose it, it can come in many different forms.
1: Yeah. I think also the um it was really interesting. I did um I don't know what course it was. I ended up on, on a course where they were talking about the numbers between men and women, like the statistics between women that take their lives and men take their lives. And I think men are two, two, it's like I think 60% more likely. So, yeah. If there's been a suicide, it's sort of 60, 40 men to women. Um, and the one of, I, I have a I have a really good long term friend that's a copper. And you was saying this sort of one of the core difference from their perspective is men don't tend to walk up to this in a long stride. Um, they won't – women will ask for – can um, basically do it to the point of asking for help, whereas if men do it, it's, it's done. Um, yeah. And actually that's terrifying in itself considering we've got um, – you know, real stigma around men talking about their emotions, men seeking help. And actually, if you look at any of the statistics, men are absolutely the risk group here. um, Mm -hmm. And it's not as easy for them to get support or open those conversations. So that to me, especially, you know, when I was working in open reach and thinking about all those men, and you looked at the, you know, between, was it between like 25 and 56 or something? um, And then it's worse if you go to different areas of the country, and male, and I was like, oh god this is this is the workforce i know the the terror of knowing that literally almost everybody that worked in the engineering workforce at the company i was looking after was the risk group um and you know how do you reach out i'm so glad that you said about the fleeting moments it doesn't go you have those days where it comes back and it will whistle around your brain and bugger off Mm. but you know yourself well enough that it dissipates and you said something did you say about going for a A run or doing something active or something when you're feeling that way
2: yeah it's you know I if I've had it if it's maybe popped into my head in in the morning time for example you know and I could have been through a conversation or disagreement or something um with somebody most, most usually my wife (laughs) <laughs> we have to go through that but it, it's usually something that you know if we get out and about and kind of get active it something else occupies my mind like oh, i'll get out and something else will take up that space
0: yeah and,
2: and it goes you know what i mean it goes and it's it's i suppose afterwards it's another opportunity for reflection on it to kind of again just gauge it a little bit more and go okay that was here this morning why wasn't here what was the thought process? How did I end up at that thought process, you know, at that actual juncture itself? So it's just, uh, yeah, for me, I've, I suppose, had a few years now um, working at it and working through a few different things. Um, but again, I suppose it is that would work. You do need to work at it. You know, there is something there that that does take a, a bit of grit and a bit of work at it, but it's, it's just something there that I think if you, I suppose, if you can make little kind of marginal gains and on, on your outcomes from it. You know, you're always going to pick up them, them little bits of knowledge as you go along.
1: Yeah. Did you? Um. Is the, is the um the guy how how, um is time running out so quickly? I think it is. Is it Pete David Davis or something? The one that was going out with Kim Kardashian. I can't remember his. David, yeah. Yeah. Davidson
2: was it? Yeah.
1: There's a clip that was going around of him for ages where somebody said, uh, are you suicidal? And he goes, Oh yeah, all the time, but I can't because I've got a sister and a mother. Um, And so you learn yourself and I know to go to the gym or to work out or to go for a run. And I know how to pull myself back from that. And I think one of the, one of the things um, we sort of spoke about on here is if you're noticing signs, but also if you're listening to this because you're there and whether you're in the passive stage, active stage, planning stage, whatever you want to call it, one of the probably most vital things that I ever did was um I wrote what I call the scale. Um, And it's the crystal sort of one to 10 scale of how in trouble are you? Um, and the signs each at each stage of uh, and I know like my critical sign, I can't eat. And I physically can't put anything in. My fight or flight is well and truly done and I can't eat. And I know then I'm in trouble. But there's little things like I stop being able to listen to music. I, you know, as distance myself socially and it goes up the scale. And I wrote it down and I shared it with my mum, my dad, my brother, my partner and my best friend. And I said, please don't ever say that's. Sounds like level five uh, <laughs> on the scale. But have the organic conversation, right? Which is like, I'm noticing that you're not listening to, or when was the last time you listened to music? First? Or so I can clock that I'm on my scale. Cause usually you're the last person to know. And then everyone around you like, yeah, you've been a bit edgy for a bit. Um, and then once you've got the scale down and I now reference it, it's starred on my phone. I go and look at it now and again, when it's getting heated and I think, Oh, I'm creeping up to level two here. Anxiety is kicking in. I'm not sleeping as much. And then I have my enablers, my enablers of cortisone, my enablers of good mood. And it's typically getting out, switching off work, taking a day's leave, resting that stuff. So I have my, this is what it looks like when you're triggered, but this is also what great rest looks like and getting back to you looks like so I like you say demo. it's evolving um and knowing yourself and getting to know yourself well but also bringing those loved ones into that bubble and being like this is what scary looks like don't you know I don't want to get there um yep. and also getting me out and about is really good for me so uh, yeah I love that I think
2: I I was I suppose similar um, in, in, I suppose, checking in and, and, you know, like we were having conversations here that were going really well and I was kind of plugging along and I was like, yeah, you know, things are going well, but I don't know, it kind of dawned on me a few months ago. I was like, I, there's still something that's not quite clicking with me here. Um, sleep wasn't getting the best quality of sleep. Um, was still in some situations be making irrational decisions look we're all going to make irrational decisions sometimes but there's times where I was kind of reflecting back and saying but why did I actually really make that decision like that it was out of character like looking at it now I wouldn't make that decision again um, we had a, a fairly hectic couple of months at the, the start of the year as you you both well know with um, like buying our first property and redecorating moving in and you know the reality of life coming around you know like we own a property we have to pay for what now sorry <laughs>
0: <laughs> how much is that plant? Where,
2: what <laughs> where'd all this come from but i i've I made the decision there was a few kind of things where they're all kind of aligned up at the same time um i had a new job starting i knew i was going to be um on i suppose working slightly longer hours and a longer commute and i thought there's actually one thing Said to get away from me, or things started to get a bit stressful. It was just it was too easy to go and grab a beer out of the fridge. And not, not that I was getting to the stage where it was kind of um reckless, really heavy drinking, but it was just it was little phases there where you would just go through kind of regular, you know, um escapism, so to speak. Um, so it was yeah, but it was something I kind of noticed about myself that I thought, I, maybe I'm going to try this, Um, maybe I'm going to try a little change here, so I, I set myself out, I was probably aided by um, my brother's stag party and wedding within about six weeks of one another, so I was like, I think I'm maybe ready to hit the booze in the head for, for a mm-hmm. while, but I, I set myself, I think I seen a post on LinkedIn, Um, it was um Chris Watcham. I think I put a post on. I think that's what triggered it. And he just said he'd just done twelve months alcohol free. And something, it, it just spur the moment decision. I thought, I'm gonna see if I can go off the booth for twelve months. Yeah. So I'm coming up on four months now, I haven't oh, having a no. drink. Um, but just I suppose within that that four months, it's the 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 depth of the conversations we've been able to have here around things. It's the being able to take stock of situations that we're in to go back reflect on stuff we might try and have a conversation here it might not go to plan but we're able to come back to it then is that right let's kind of reset let's go back to it what were we talking about and it's just it's something for me that has worked again as as i said before it's the stuff that you need to work at um you know and it is hard work but again it's about them little marginal gains what what little changes can i make here and try does this work yeah does this work no but it's it's that's that's what i find works for me
1: yeah amazing i think um in all of this elisa i bet i know we've only got a couple of minutes left and part of me is like do we want to hang up and come back in and continue because we can just splice this onto our channel or or are there questions that you want to round off with what's your thoughts
0: Ooh, um, I could definitely stay going, but then the emotional toll is quite fucking light on me, to be honest. So it's whether whether you want to stay going or not. Um I could stay going or I could wrap up here. Um, I'll actually leave it up to you. If we stay going, I definitely have different angles we could go down with this. Um, moving from your experience to, I suppose, more societal views on it, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but I will absolutely leave it up to you
1: i am up for i think the most important thing that um that i wanted to get out of the sharing part that lived experience part we know that change comes with empathy and being able to understand where people are coming from and i think the Mm -hmm. the shared story is is something that is really important to get out there so i don't mind the pivot into like do you want to blow this up into a wider view um mm-hmm. the the only take the one thing that i would want to say to everybody before we jumped off and jumped back on again given this is unedited um is... Oh,
0: you know what? i actually think we i think we i think we wrap it you wrap it because it's, it's all yeah i think we're best to wrap it well we could do a
1: part too
2: i wait, because i could send talk for considerable number of hours on this but i have to get up at like 5 a.m to go to work
1: so let's do it then let's (laughs) Let's wrap it off
2: just on on the subject of mental health Um, and good
0: sleep yeah absolutely (laughs) good sleep i think look i guess my my takeaways from listening to you guys describe your experience um is that like it's obvious to me now listening to you that you know when when you hear of somebody who has died by suicide and you're like Jesus how did they get there like how could you possibly think that that was the way to go and it's Mm -hmm. that the emotional pain is so devastating that it overrides rational thought so that's clear um and I guess for people to understand that like depression anxiety and things like that they're lying bastards and they will tell you that it will never improve
1: yeah that's right
0: which is not true. Not true. Um not true. So um with less than one minute to go, I just want to call out guys, the Samaritan's phone number. It's the same for both Ireland and the UK. So it's 116123. And thank you both so, so, so much for sharing. Welcome. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Damo. Thanks. Hey. Good
1: stuff.